0: episode 132 on the show this week dave delves into some spooky times mark is stuck in the matrix Uh, the death rattle of a generation as the wii shop closes and ps3 ps plus games come to an end the switch sold like crazy over christmas 2018 and in our book club this week the first one of the year we're going to talk about an epic action adventure crime simulator no not that one sleeping dogs let's start the show This is Link to the Cast, your weekly dose of video games and nerd culture ephemera, available everywhere good podcasts are sold. Apple Podcasts, SoundCloud, Stitcher, and wait for it, Spotify, and many more. I'm your party host, Dave Ryan, joined by the now Spotify approved Mark Robinson. How are you, my friend?
1: We're infiltrating the airwaves. It only took us uh, three years, but uh, we're making our mark, making our scene out there. And uh, oh,
0: I see it. Making your mark. I see what you've done there.
1: see. You wasn't even aware, my word. You never um, missed a second, did you? Now now uh, officially turned thirty one, Mark Robinson.
0: Ooh, uh, yes.
1: Yeah, I know right. It's
0: not you, good. Uh, this you wasn't sell... part of the plan. <laughs> Living? Yeah. That's I... that's grim. Dark Robinson <laughs> is here. <laughs> um yeah, you turned thirty one years young. Um Celebrate your birthday down uh, with me for a Royal Rumble weekend. Yeah, because
1: I'm 31, going on 17. You know.
0: Yeah, damn straight. Keeping it real. Uh, how did you enjoy your 31st birthday bash of of a source?
1: Uh, I mean, it wasn't really a bash. Uh, I didn't actually a box social. Yeah, didn't do a whole lot. Um, the, the the highlight of it was obviously spending quality time with you and your uh, barbecue wings that were actually cauliflower. Because uh, mm. I am now, in fact, also a vegetarian. Um, cause you know New Year's resolutions and all that uh, stuff, and uh, and I must say, you do a fine barbecue cauliflower. Um, masquerading, uh, pretending to be a uh, pretending to be a. a- chicken wing so that was a good time other than you know the royal rumble itself being 12 hours long which you can go and listen to our review of this on uh, the most recent episode of the grap up on the linkedin yeah. chaos network um but other than that uh, my friend's birthday is uh this week so i'm just gonna steal his party gate crash it and have it as my own
0: good stuff yeah good stuff how are you uh- uh, yeah, I'm I'm pretty good. It um, feels
1: weird because, you know, I've spoken to you plenty this month and I was with you all of Sunday. Yeah, but because we haven't spoken under this format. It does feel like it's yeah. been a a, a while.
0: <laughs> we, we've spoken plenty and we've spoken on podcasts together. Like we did Game of the Year at the end of December and we did the wrap up, as you say. Um, But indeed, it has been a while uh, since we've been on this show and uh yeah it's kind of like it's weird it's like finding that shirt down the back of your was like oh i love that shirt why don't i wear it anymore it's
1: also weird just because we've had like i think a good four or five episodes up already this year and none of them are a traditional link to the cost uh episode yeah
0: because normally we do like a regular listeners will know we take the first two to three weeks of january off anyway because fucking nothing happens um but on top of that we actually had our ducks in a row at Game of the year. So we had kind got of a wrapped up link to the cast in the middle of December. <laughs> and uh we just weren't back then. Um and you did your excellent special edition of the show with Rich Craig from Voices of Wrestling uh last week, which uh go check that out if you haven't already. It's a kind of it's about a two hour long conversation, isn't it, Mark? Yeah. Just about the just, the just over video, two hours, which is the history pretty of wrestling video. Pretty
1: concise for a, a podcast with Rich Craig on, but you know. <laughs>
0: Yeah, he was great to have on. I've 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 got a couple of rave reviews messaged to me. People have slid into the DMs to say how much they enjoyed it. So uh, I like how they've come there. to
1: you and not to me to tell to tell that. I, I appreciate that. Like, they
0: they don't want to inflate the notorious Robinson ego, I'm sure.
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah, because that's that's what I have.
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah. Hollywood Robinson. Uh... It was negotiations over a new contract, that's why it took so long <laughs> to come back. You uh... we were going to all elite and here we are.
1: Yeah, yeah, I am I am part <laughs> of the uh, the Khan family now.
0: <laughs> uh, yeah, but how was your Christmas apart from that? We haven't really touched base. So... Uh, no, uh,
1: so I went to um, Ennis, so I went to the West Coast for Christmas, mm-hmm. spent it with, uh, not a friend of the show, but a friend of mine, um, my friend Dylan, and his family, who are just wonderful people. Uh, mostly spent it playing Smash and then climbing boulders. It's pretty much...
0: That's actually something you've reminded me. Sorry to cut across to your Christmas story, but something that has, uh, did you play interesting Smash development. As well? Yeah. Something interesting over the Hiatus and Link to the Cast is that, uh, you have become the self proclaimed world's greatest <laughs> Smash Brothers player. You, like, between when we did Game of the Year and we had our little, uh, Christmas day out for the people that used to live here in the house and are kind of assorted friends, um, between like all that and then your your trip over Christmas, you turned a corner on Smash Brothers Ultimate.
1: Uh, to a degree, yes. Um, now yeah, I don't want to because I know he'll probably listen to this friend of the show, Keith Broney, and I don't want to rub the salt in too deep. But I I think I what is it like a six or seven th- match in a row uh, conquest against him. Bless his heart. Yeah. For uh, for want
0: of a better term, you absolutely smashed him.
1: I absolutely smashed him. Um and. Playing it a whole bunch over Christmas, I have, I've to a degree turned the corner. I wouldn't still, I wouldn't say it's um, a game I'm going to go pick up tomorrow. I still haven't picked it up, um, but I have conceded that I enjoy Smash, and uh, as long as I'm playing as Bowser, because he does his drop kick, and I enjoy that, <laughs> and uh, yeah, I am now the world's greatest Smash player. So you can expect to see me at Evo this year.
0: can't wait that's the the single biggest plug i've heard for evo (laughs) what about your christmas yeah yeah it was pretty quiet uh gotta say uh didn't really get a lot of games played over christmas that was kind of between the guy doing um repairs on the house still and uh just kind of we we talked about we burned ourselves out so much (laughs) like trying to get up to speed with everything for game of the year that was kind of like you know what i think i'm just gonna play a little bit of FIFA and watch some TV between yeah. now and New Year. See
1: I came I came like after finishing up Game of the Year and then played all of the games from last year that I would have liked to have played in time for Game of the Year. Um so yeah. over the next couple of weeks I'll be <laughs> talking about here's what I would have probably voted for. Um yeah. well, there you go.
0: Yeah, I've got a couple we'll come to it over the next couple of weeks. There's no point in uh in, in blurting it all out now. But we'll probably get over the next couple of weeks we've kind of gotten up to speed on a few games we didn't have time to finish or touch before game of the year um so so look forward to some kind of revisionist thoughts on 2018's games um but i did get uh in the christmas sales this year there were a couple of good sales going on so i managed to get myself because i got vouchers for gamestop um which thank god i spent them because looking at current news gamestop may not exist much longer um but I got, what did I get? I got Monster Hunter World, Spyro Reignited, and Assassin's Creed Odyssey for about 85 quid. You don't strike me as a Monster Hunter kind of guy, so that's a very curious... uh, Yeah, yeah. so... People have recommended it to me before, like, just to give it a go, but everything I hear from experts on the matter is that it is an impenetrable franchise. We're just talking literally about Jason A. Stryker here when it comes to- Yeah, Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Jason A. Stryker has pretty much both intrig- made me intrigued in the franchise and also warded me off ever playing it to this point <laughs> Um, through no direct fault of his own. But um, the pretty much the consensus... From everybody last year was that Monster Hunter World, if there's going to be a jumping in point uh, that's accessible to people who weren't on board prior to now, this is the one. So it was reduced to, I i want to say, about 25, 30 quid in the sales. And I was like, well, look, if there's ever going to be a time, uh, I'll, I'll get it now. And then during, during one of the lull periods, uh, there's a game coming out this week that we'll talk about. Uh, and there's a game I'm playing at the moment that we'll talk about but once I've polished off the two of them I think i a good long stretch uh until something I really really need to play comes out so I I'm, I'll delve into it then and i have kind of I'll talk about it next week but I I've started to have a look at uh, Assassin's Creed Odyssey as well uh did you get any were any sales tempting to you this year or um, yeah, I picked up
1: a bunch of stuff um, Through various sales So um, I picked up uh, Into the Breach uh, I- should- Actually, should we-, should we just Move
0: into playing this week? You know you what, we s-
1: should probably just do that, sure
0: Yeah, okay, yeah, playing this week <laughs> Hey, check it out, I learned the baseline from Final Fantasy 2 Scott, you are the salt of the earth Oh, thanks I meant scum of the earth hey mark what have you been playing
1: (laughs) yeah so um i so we'll leave the whole matrix stuff we was on about um till probably next week or the week after depending on how many games i want to talk about here but the first game that uh, i picked up over the christmas period was into the breach uh which i picked up on christmas day uh thanks to some um nintendo eShop vouchers that i was given and uh it was one of the few games, uh, Into the Breach wasn't a game that got mentioned at all on our Game of the Year shows because none of us had played it. Um, and it's a game that just pretty much passed me by. But I heard mm. so much about it, um, around the time that we were doing our shows and, um, that I just, it seemed like something that I should get my hands on. And I enjoyed FTL and I enjoy, those type of RTS games that take like a single mechanic or are just a little bit more kind of streamlined. Uh, the real heavy-end RTS type stuff I tend to avoid, but anything that seems like a kind of mobile version, because I used to um, do stuff for a site called, um, uh, what the hell was it, I can't even remember the name of the site I used to write for now, but it did like mobile uh, strat- strategy type games and um, mm. so they were a lot more streamlined, a lot more simplified. <clears throat> and this kind of takes that sort of idea um and it's kind of like a, a an RTS light roguelike uh, game and um, <clears throat> you uh, you get three mechs um, and as you unlock more mechs the 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 you know you have different teams and they have different things that they do so the way that you approach combat varies a little bit uh the the uh, combat takes place or the the, the Uh, games take place on an isometric grid of about I want to say like 15 by 15 or maybe it's 20 by 20 um and it's turn-based so uh at the start of every round uh you have your three mechs and you can move them into position to start off with and there are the uh the I can't remember the name of them now but the the basically if you think um uh Starship Troopers is it Starship Troopers is that the film I'm thinking of with the uh, big yeah, aliens? the yeah. yeah yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. just that kind of level of alien monster insects type creatures um and uh, with each round they will move into position and, and there's usually two main objectives one is to wipe out as many of them as possible and two is to protect uh these uh buildings so the various buildings on the map and um they if they get destroyed, you have uh, like an energy bar at the top with about uh, I think it's like six or seven bars to start with. Uh but you can increase the amount of bars. And once that goes to zero, it's game over and um you have to start again. But you keep keep one of the three mechs you have and it does the XCOM thing as then you can build up the mechs and you, well you have the people inside the mechs and they can um acquire skills and experience and you always can keep one of them Um, through to the next game that you play, unless they die, then they're gone and you have to kind of start over again. Um, so, yeah, so usually what happens is, uh, the, the enemy will either get themselves ready to attack one of the buildings or they'll get ready to attack, uh, one of your mechs and you need to maneuver around them that to defend the buildings and defend yourselves and it plays a lot like uh in some ways like a puzzle game which is a, a common thing that i've heard like plays like a game of chess you know you're really thinking uh, one or two moves ahead um thinking about the enemy the type of enemy that you have in front of you the type of attacks that they usually do and your positioning to think like are they going to come after you or are they going to come after um one of the buildings and um most of the levels have uh, like a gimmick or a theme to them, so you might have one level that has uh, like an environmental feature, like the coast is coming in. And uh, mm-hmm. if you've got enemies that are grounded enemies, um, when the coast comes in, if they're in the way, they will drown. Um, so you can use that to your advantage um, by kind of knocking them into the sea because uh, your attacks can knock enemies. Um, but obviously, if you have like a flying enemy, it's not going to make any difference to them. So you have to approach them in a different way. Uh, you have, uh, some levels, like you have one level where you have a train that you want to get from one end of the map to the other. Um, and you have like two hits on the train before it's destroyed and the, the objective is failed. So you're constantly trying to, you know, keep enemies away from the train or trying to kill enemies, um, while also being in position for yourself. Um, and there's like different pro, approaches that you can take. And, um, like one of the things, uh, like between each round, uh, more enemies, like it will say, on the next round, an enemy is going to spawn from this particular square. So you can do, try and do one of two things. If you can, you can try and knock one of the enemies currently above ground on into that position so that from the next, um, the next round, the enemy that's trying to come out of the ground will basically, it will be blocked and it will also, uh, kill the enemy that's above it. Um, or at least do like significant damage to it. Um, if that's not available, uh, possibly you can take a hit by standing over the ground itself if it means you can also hit another enemy so you can try and kill two birds in one stone and it's just about maximizing the amount you can do in one go um and it gives you the ability to like uh completely if you if you completely fuck up a particular uh round you can start the round over again it allows you to do it once per uh, uh game or match effectively and it's really good it's really really addictive um it does get a little bit, once you've played a good couple of hours, It just because there's only four maps, um, you kind of have seen everything goes to offer um, until you start playing with different mechs and um, approaching levels from <clears throat> in different play because the mechs do all do different things. They have different types of attacks and abilities. Um, so that's where the variation comes in. Um, but I can see how uh, people got really into it. I, if I had played it beforehand, it would have probably hit my top 10 of last year mm-hmm. and uh yeah there there's a reason a lot of hype went into it um and uh you can definitely tell it comes from people that were involved with ftl uh so and guess what it's perfect on the switch shocker any questions about it because i don't think you've played it yet
0: i have oh you have played it oh excellent okay yeah yeah i've played a little bit of it um i i kind of i don't know whether it was <laughs> I came to it in about Q3 of last year, and the problem with coming to a game like that, especially a game that didn't cost as much as a a big AAA release, is that it kind of gets lost in the shuffle a little bit. And I played it for a little while and kind of bounced off it. And that's why I ended up nominating it in the okayest Game of the Year category uh, for Game of the Year. Um, but listening to you talk about it there, uh, it sounds like I probably need to revisit it.
1: <laughs> I would recommend I definitely... Would sit down over a couple of days and just, um, just get sunk into it. Like, just leave everything else to the side and just spend a good couple mm. of days to really, um, get, um, at least to the end. Because one full round, depending on how you want to do it, because it, it does the, uh, the breath of the wild thing that you can go to the final boss, um, pretty much straight away if you want to. But because you haven't built up all the, the skills and, and abilities that you can get over that full cycle of the a, of a game, um, you're going to be limited and it, the the, the uh, battle becomes a lot more difficult. So if you wanted to do like all the four main islands before going to the final boss effectively, um, you're looking at about an hour to an hour and a half, uh, maybe in two hours depending on you know how long you want to take with it and how long you need to think through uh, your um, plan of attack. So, hmm. but it will take a, a good while. It will take a good few goes to get to the point that you've kind of really figured out a, a lot of the maps. Cause, um, the, the maps that you do are the same, um, each time. Um, but you can pick and choose which maps, um, which levels you want to do effectively. Hmm. Um, but once you've done them a couple of times, you get a good feel for how to approach them. Um, so I, I would definitely recommend coming back to it.
0: Yeah. It's one that it had been on my radar because the likes of Alex Navarro raved about it last year. Um, and it, it must just have been because I, I do like games like that. And it must just have been the humor I was in or the fact that I knew there was a bunch of other stuff to be playing and, you know, um, much bigger, longer experiences to play. And I just kind of parked it there and never came back. So yeah, that's on the, the revisit list, I think, uh, for 2019. Um Speaking of revisiting things in 2019, do you know what I kicked off the year playing, Mark?
1: Um, let me see. Uh, Micro Machines.
0: Uh, Breath of the Wild. Breath actually. of the Wild.
1: That famous yeah. game from
0: 2018. 20, 2017, I think it was. Yeah, that was Yeah. Joke. Oh, sorry. <laughs> I couldn't tell whether it was the kind of like deadpan because you were serious or ironic deadpan. Now I know. Now I know. Um, Keeping so, you on your toes Dave Ryan. Yeah, I restarted uh, my Breath of the Wild campaign. Why
1: the fuck would you do that?
0: Yeah, 145 hours of progress. I restarted the game. Um, And it was kind of out of it. Like partly it was because there was work being done on the house and I didn't want to unhook my PS4 from my unit and bring it downstairs um into the kitchen where i was kind of like having to hide so i brought my switch down brought my little portable tv down and just said well look this is if i'm ever going to restart it this is a prime kind of like i was still on my christmas holidays so i kind of had nothing to do um so i've gotten another 30 35 hours maybe into it uh all over again um but yeah that game is still just it it reinforces uh, I, I had worried that after our big game of the year debate about it versus Mario Odyssey that when I went back to visit one or the other either I'd think okay, Mario Odyssey was the better game or I'd think mm, maybe I had bigged up Breath of the Wild too much by the time I got to Game of the no,
1: Year. No, Breath of the Wild is the better game of the two. I, we, I'm still
0: mad about that. Yeah I, it is If you say,
1: Dave, I'm going to punch you I'm going to come around right now and I'm going to punch you
0: no, I, it, it, no, what I'm saying is it has reinforced my opinions that I, I think it's one of the greatest games ever made. No, that's a, I'm still going to come and punch you because, wait, did you, you wait, how did we, no. I can't even remember how we voted for that in the end. I voted Breath of the Wild, okay, right. Jack voted Odyssey, you voted Breath the of the Wild, Wild Barry then. voted Odyssey.
1: Okay, right, well, uh, I don't know, because there's not two of you, I'm going to punch you. I don't know.
0: Yeah, you're just going to punch me anyway. <laughs> you make a man, vegetarian, chicken wings, and well, this is the thanks yeah. you get. Do you, like, okay,
1: so second time round now. Um, yeah. Do you Is there anything different? Is there anything
0: that you missed the first time around? Um, Funnily enough, already I've, I've come across... I, think I had never 100%ed the shrines. I had gone down to the last maybe 15, 20. Uh, and immediately, I'd say within a couple of hours of getting out of that original starting area, I had found one that I'd Excellent. never seen before. So it was pretty cool. Um, what I've done deliberately this time is to try and remember what way I... Like, obviously... So once you get out of the 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 tutorial area the, the around, is it Hyrule Plain it's called, or is that the part you fly out into? Uh, I can't remember. Something
1: but, like that. I don't know.
0: Around the, the church where you go into your first four shrines and get your powers into your Sheikah Slate. Anyway, that part, and then you get that, the hang glider so you can get out of that area. Um, it kind of, it doesn't make you go, but Kakariko Village is where you're kind of loosely pushed in the direction of. Um, and it's kind of after that, that that was a jarring moment for some people who were expecting, like, quest to quest to quest, kind of a more linear thing. That was a point at which, like, once you do the bit in Kakariko and Hateno Village, it's like, all right, whatever you want to do now, off you go. Um, so what I tried to do this time was go in directions and permutations of routes I didn't go before um like i did a very specific set of things right after that that little quest set the first time that i'm just trying to do new and different things now um and see one can i make it more challenging on myself by going to areas that i know are a little bit tougher that i didn't get to didn't even know existed until hours and hours and hours into the game and as well just trying to figure out different ways to get places like i was going in the early part of the game i was going on horseback a lot and i i feel like i probably missed a load of discoveries in the middle portion of the map because of that um and this time i'm i'm go i'm walking the whole map how Uh, many of the divine beasts have you done so far uh in my replay i'm just about to tackle the first one and which one you doing this time uh, the one uh, up by the Zora
1: Kingdom. Um, Was that the one you did first last time? Because that was the one I did first. No, did.
0: that wasn't. That was the one I discovered first, but I didn't do it first. I okay. did it second. Right. I did the one... Is it Van Ruto? It's the one up with all the birds. Right, um, right, right, That's the one I did first last time. Um, Because I had heard... I didn't get... I don't know if it's the... I know that and the, the one in the... the near the zora they're the two easiest ones apparently i don't know which one's supposed to be easier but i had i had gotten a light spoiler for the power you get the Rivali's gale and that's the one i really wanted to help me scale higher structures with that sure so that's the one i wanted to tackle first so i i'm just about to tackle my first divine beast and part of me had thought maybe i'll leave them untackled and then try and like once i've beefed up and and played the game for a couple dozen hours i'll try and tackle ganon with a full health bar because that's the that's the thing that you don't if you're saying spoiler free um if you defeat defeat all four divine beasts when you go to fight ganon immediately half his health bar is drained because the divine beasts crack him with essentially um Venusaur's solar beam attack (laughs) yeah yeah (laughs) that's essentially what it is but it takes away half his health bar so well it's still a little bit of a challenging fight Um, not nearly as much uh, as it would be on a full health bar and I think Ganon supposedly if you fight him the whole way he goes through four different changes uh, throughout the whole fight so part of me is kind of like oh will I will I try to do the the full strength fight but then I really like some of those powers uh, they really help you traverse the world a bit better. So um I, I think I I just think I can't resist to be honest. So Breath of the um, Wild, still a good game. It's a magical experience. And like it I I can safely say now it's not just because of how knocked out I was at how they had changed around my expectations of a Zelda game. It's just great. You know, the surprise is gone this time and I'm still absolutely lost in the world. So absolutely just an all-timer of a game, uh, for sure. The other game that I've been playing and one that I imagine Mark Robinson not too eager to play is the remake of Resident Evil 2.
1: While Uh, this is true, I have been um, fascinated about A, that it exists um, and just the execution of it um, from the first time round, um, and you know, reading what you've been saying, and reading what friend of the show Matt Nino has been saying within our group chat, um, mm. and so I, you know, I've been very much up on this game and um, its execution. Uh, and so, while I absolutely have no interest
0: in playing it, it is a game <laughs> I am interested in. Yeah. Um. So, first and foremost, it's a brilliant remake uh they've remade it like it's, it's not it, a remake is is not even it's it is a complete from the ground
1: up it is a completely yeah, different game
0: it's less like the resident evil 1 remake on the gamecube or, or the remake of that remake it's more like um the way they remade crash bandicoot or ratchet and clank they just completely started from square one and uh built it inside the re7 engine which i think is called the the re engine um And it just looks, if you've seen Resident Evil 7, you know how gorgeous it looks. It it looks fantastic. Um, And I thought maybe one of Resident Evil 7's best tricks, and I was talking to a friend of the show, Matt Niner, about this, uh, one of Resident Evil 7's best tricks is forcing you into first-person perspective because the type of game it is, uh, the... Idea that you're kind of slightly more immersed by being in first person, uh, really helps up the chill factor in that game, particularly in the early periods in the house where it's very very claustrophobic. Um, and I thought, okay, well, this is going to be a third person game. Uh, is the chill factor going to be there? Absolutely, is.
1: Well, here's the thing. Um, and by no means am I an expert on the Resident Evil games, but mm. certainly from game design. Um, you know, Resident Evil Seven is completely indebted to the type of horror game that we've seen um, from the the late two uh, thousands with uh, the likes of Slender and uh, Outlast and those kinds of horror, you know, type games yeah. from the first person perspective. Now, obviously, it still has its own thing, but that is the template that it works from, and yeah. it, it's working in that kind of claustrophobic setting where um, Resident Evil Two. This is the thing that I was actually going to ask about because, um, Resident Evil 2, the original, is still using tank controls. It's still, it's a game that works around the limitations of the original PlayStation by, uh, using, um, you know, fixed camera angles. So you have the dread of not always seeing what's around the corner and what's seen off screen. Mm. Um, and using the, uh, survival horror tactics of, you know, limited ammo and that kind of stuff, which yeah. you can still use regardless of what type of, whether it's third person or first person. Mm-hmm. Um Resident Evil 2, the remake, is um you know, Resident Evil four effectively in terms of how you play the game. And the question mm. I have for you is, um now it's probably been a long time since you've played the original RE E two. How does it completely change the way that the game feels because of the the way that you're playing it?
0: Um Yes and no. Um in as much as things like you say, the the kind of thing uh, Jim Sterling and a, and a few other people have said in the past, uh, you know, this idea that people debate back and forward about whether the old horror games are scarier because you're essentially not only having to fight the monsters in the game, but the control system for the game, the the aforementioned tank controls, um, they are gone. It's a much more kind of smooth uh intuitive control system exactly like any other uh kind of third person shooter in that way um but getting rid of that and getting rid of like static camera and things like that um don't really affect the the horror of the game negatively because where that technology has improved um also we are able now in 2019 to do more things with light and, and level design uh, and sound design in video games that kind of more than makes up for that. So even though you feel more competent walking around and controlling your character and even though the camera is following you and you're not just kind of you don't know what's around the corner until the camera snaps around the corner, um. On this occasion, it it or in this game, it, it plays very well with say your little torch that you're carrying with you, and the way it dimly lights things, the way there are subtle sound cues that might make you kind of turn around and say, "Oh, what the fuck was that?" Um, and the the kind of labyrinthine construction of the the Raccoon Police Department is such that in a panicky situation, say a couple of zombies explode out of a door which has been known to happen uh in the game you can get yourself even though the whole you the maps aren't hard to find and the the whole thing isn't say as labyrinthine as a doom level where you get proper turned around sometimes even when you think you know where you're going if you get into a panic you can get that momentary being lost thing uh, because you're not you're not sure where you are and kind of the segmented parts of the the police department one corridor might look like another corridor somewhere else and you think you're getting away from the zombies but you end up in a dead end uh and there are some doors that obviously open from one side there're some doors you think oh that might be an escape down there but you don't have the key yet so just the way the game is built definitely it's not like a thing where, you know, we've talked on the show uh, before about Silent Hill 2 where when the HD version of that came out, because the graphics were good enough that they didn't need as much fog anymore, when the fog went away, so did a lot of the tension. Um, And I'm I'm pleased to report that isn't the case here. Another thing you hit on there that I want to go into is ammo scarcity. That is a fucking thing in this game. <laughs> Let me tell you, son. Um, I seem to recall that... With Resident Evil 7, you started off with a lot of ammo scarcity, but once you got past about three or four hours in that game, I I think I usually had enough to get me out of any scrapes I might be in. But this is definitely the sort of game where you probably shouldn't, at least at the point in the game I'm at, you, you shouldn't try and murder every zombie because there just aren't enough bullets. You're going to need to save stuff for bigger fights later on um i had a a very close call with a, I, I don't really want to i know it's a 21 year old game for some people but uh for others this will be their first time playing resident evil so i don't want to heavily spoil things but there is a, a boss fight that comes up on you all of a sudden or relatively early on in the game uh and i was does, woefully... he, does he wear a fedora by any chance uh, no he does not okay. but he may or may not have an eyeball in his shoulder <laughs> hmm I wonder who that is yeah I know right yeah. Um. so the first time you meet that character um, I was woefully uh, woefully unready for it I I was ru- running around trying to find any sort of ammo or herbs or anything around the place and literally the, the, the run on which I managed to beat him it was my last bullet oh, wow that took him out. My very last bullet, uh, cracked him right in the the weak spot, and thankfully that did the trick. Because otherwise, I was fucked for about The how, sixth time straight.
1: How is uh the man with the fedora? Because I've seen um I, I've seen some video footage, and he's yeah. AI at times has been interesting to say the least.
0: So I have managed to avoid direct confrontation with him so far. I've okay. seen him once. The bit where you are in the cells. Yeah, I've seen that, and he comes through the wall. Yeah. Um yeah, so that's the that's the only time I've encountered him thus far. It's worth saying that I'm only I don't know, six hours into the game, maybe. Um so I'm at the for for people who know the game well, the generator room puzzle is where I am now. Um so yeah, I've seen him once and he looks good, and a lot of people say I, I've seen the a couple of people say something about the AI, but largely in terms of how he looks and the process of being pursued by by said villain um they say yeah it's scary as fuck okay
1: cool more reason not um, to play and how uh how
0: does it also, feel speaking of uh sorry to no, uh, speaking of famous resident evil enemies uh the lickers no bueno yeah <laughs> no bueno my friend
1: yeah i i watched footage of where you're introduced into the first time because um one of the things and this is a question I was going to ask is like, uh, they do change around, um, like certain parts of the structure of the game and, um, like where you are introduced to certain things and how you, um, the 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 level design and layout is a little bit different in some areas, and I was watching footage of like where you um, come in, introduce the liquors for the first time, and I was like, you know what? Just even watching this, I'm clinching, and I'm just, I'm good. Thanks.
0: Yeah, that's. I think everyone's ultimate now. I haven't gotten to any points of hugely significant divergence, but uh, what I'm told is um, the story of the game is for the for the most part intact uh, obviously the voice acting has improved somewhat since the old days grading um, on a curve mm, indeed um and obviously the character models improved so the the story uh, of Resident Evil 2 pretty much intact um, but kind of the bits one of the last times the story
1: would stay intact. By but... <laughs> indeed, I was just saying earlier that I, uh, I, for some reason, decided to read the entire plot of you know Resident Evil from beginning to
0: end, and yeah.
1: oh boy, oh boy, does it take some turns.
0: Mm-hmm. Uh, but yeah, it's the kind of the bits in between the the story notes that have uh, are where you will see the significant amount of divergence as the game uh, proceeds on. But yeah, I love it. I really love it. Uh, it's great. Uh, one thing that fighting against my 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 habits in twenty nineteen is having to teach myself to manually save. Yeah. Uh, which again, Resident Evil Seven did it. Uh, but apart from that, I couldn't tell you the last game I've properly played a lot of that requires manual saves. Um, like the uh, when I play the odd Pokemon game having to get used to manual saves again is tough so yeah there's uh there's that and i know there's um so there's three levels and i'm playing on the normal difficulty the hard difficulty uh brings back the typewriter ribbons where you can only have a certain amount of saves so fuck that Uh, and then there's a slightly easier mode uh if the, the the ammo conservation and the the bullet sponginess of the enemies is a bit much for you. i think it's called the assisted mode uh, where things are just made a little bit easier, and they don't take quite as many bullets to put down the zombies. Um,
1: and you know what? You're less, you're not less of a person if you decide to take that mode, because as long as you enjoy the game, it's all yeah, match. Exactly.
0: Yeah, yeah, that's it. But yeah, it, it's really good. It's a really good remake. If you like zombie games, if you like Resident Evil, um, this is one to pick up for sure. Um, yeah, that's it. I, oh yeah, and also, like, I haven't played the the Claire path yet in it. Uh, I'm I'm still just all leon uh all the way at the moment but uh i, I will be playing both parts I, I i don't intend to stop playing this game anytime soon so shocking news uh, indeed there you have it uh so that's everything we've been playing let's move on now to the news
1: news on the map
0: Mark, it it feels like in some ways it was only yesterday and it also feels like it's long overdue Uh, but we said goodbye to two parts of the the last generation this week the Wii shop closed its doors for good uh, and Sony has just sent out the last ever month of uh, PS3, PS Plus games as it intends to stop doing those going forward Um, Now I never owned a Wii but you did, didn't you? I certainly did. Talk to me about the Wii Shop. Um <laughs> there is probably no
1: more kind of like nostalgic tinge I get for the last generation, uh or the prior generation from that, than uh, the Wii Shop channel music. Um It's it's such a simplistic piece of music, uh and as soon as I hear it I uh yeah, I'm a teenager again. Um, hmm. and it's ridiculous it's the power of music. Um, the Wii Shop channel. Hey, look, it's, um, the reason that people uh, bang on about wanting Virtual Console for the Switch and wanting it now, uh, a lot of it comes down to where it started, which was with the Wii Shop channel and, uh, being able to, uh, purchase and download, um, a whole variety of classic Nintendo games and Sonic games and other Sega games and whatnot else. Um, it's uh, just you know, it's it's. Uh, uh, I think one of the main things from this actually to talk about is this idea of video game preservation because uh, mm. I've seen a lot of people talking about this over the last week, and uh, and it's a, a legitimate thing to talk about. Um, you know, if you owned any games on the Wii Shop uh, on on your Wii. Via, via the Wii Shop channel, um, you have until, I think it's tomorrow, or it was last week, I can't even remember now, uh, to download any of those pro, uh, games, um, and then that's it. The The servers are down, and you can't download them anymore. Um, and it's this whole argument about, you know, digital purchases, and do you really actually own them? Um, because at any time, a server can come down, a publisher, a developer, or a publisher can just say, right, we're done with this now, these... This server is taking up too much space and the you know, the the finance the income from it isn't viable anymore, isn't there anymore, and this space could be used for something else, which is, from a business sense, completely makes sense and I it's hard to, to argue that. But there is the key thing that, you know, you bought this game might have been ten years ago, it might have been three quid, but you purchased this, you own this game, and now yeah. your ability to download that game, uh, is now gone. Um, and the only thing that really, uh, makes you grit your teeth is how hard nin- Nintendo, um, uh, out of any of the, the big, uh, publishers fight against emulation. Uh, which one of the big things that people who are for video game preservation will defend is, is emulation because a lot of these games, the only way to play them is via emulation. Um, yeah. so, yeah, it's. I'm not surprised it's happened, and I can see why people would be pissed off about it. But, I mean, I haven't owned my Nintendo Wii now in, uh, six or seven years. Um, and, but yeah, I can see why people would be pissed off that, um, when eventually we get the Switch, uh, virtual console, um, you know, someone who purchased Super Mario World ten years ago doesn't have that copy of it anymore, now has to buy it again. You know, it's, uh, but it is what it is
0: yeah it seems like one of those things where you know how um record companies noticed that piracy was much less of an issue for them once we got to a point with itunes and later spotify where the accessibility uh, of music was made much easier uh one would think that a good strategy to stop emulation is to make it easy for you to always have access to your purchases um i know a lot of people bemoan certain games just not being available anymore like there is literally no way to buy that amazing scott pilgrim 2d arcade game um if you didn't already own it and now shortly i'm sure the ps3 <laughs> losing its uh ps plus games i'm sure is kind of the next step in the process is shutting the the store altogether so i'm 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 confident that at some point in the future we'll be talking in the same way about the PS3 library as we are now about the Wii.
1: Yeah, and I think the frustrating thing with Nintendo is um, I can't remember exactly but there was, um, you had the thing that would have made this less of an issue is if the Nintendo account you had from the Wii was the, N- the Nintendo account you would have like now on the Switch. Because yeah. then when those games become available you, know, you would still be able to read download them Um, Mm -hmm. or if there was some way that nintendo would give you a code for all of the games that you have on the wii that those codes will then again when they become available if they become available um for the switch you could use to then re-download those games but you know there that would include a whole a tremendous amount of uh, uh foresight and i imagine there would be issues with um you know uh digital distribution rights on particular games that aren't owned mm. by Nintendo and that kind of stuff. Um, but the fact that there hasn't been anything, anything at all in regards to that to allow players to be able to have any way of, of re-downloading those games at some point in the future on the Switch, uh, that's that's the bit that um, completely is... is uh, I, I can see why people would be... Uh, grieved by that kind of stuff you know
0: and you feel like with uh things like the backwards compatibility on Xbox that this is probably like it's it's the direction someone's ultimately going to be the first one to do that and it will be a massive selling point like say for example the the PS5 gets announced uh, towards the end of this year and if they were to announce, hey, look, all your PS4 games are just going to be available to you for download on the PS5 or your discs will still work on PS5, uh, that's a massive edge to somebody.
1: Well, uh, I think considering, um, you know, one of the areas that the Microsoft have had the advantage of this generation is their backwards compatibility. And it's one of the big missteps that Sony had with the PS4 that uh, I think absolutely needs to be addressed with the PS5 and giving players the ability to to have access, uh, whether it be through the discs being playable for the PS4 and the PS5, or just however they go about it, um, yeah, yeah I, I think that um, if they make that mistake again, it's obviously not going to kill them, um, but it, it shows a serious lack of um, just care for uh, their consumers and their players, um, and
0: mm. the and, prior and foresight as well, because I, I think. That they really should be reading the room and that people are really even more so than when it happened with the last generation um the move from ps2 to ps3 say um people are really starting to get in the fucking get, it's starting to get on their fucking nerves um especially now that everybody's moving towards digital purchasing so you know <laughs> you it, if years from now they shut down the ps4 store where a lot more i would imagine the percentage of people who have a large digital library is much higher now i imagine people are going to go fucking crazy if they try to shut down the ps4 store years from now mm-hmm. uh, because people would have hundreds of games on it yep uh, potentially and literally more games than their hard drive has room for so i i, I really think they should be like re- read the temperature of the room and, and start working on that for next generation i think um anyway uh the uh, actually the one other little bit on that story is that uh they announced in tandem with this ps3 ps plus announcement and the the new games for this month they announced that if you are a ps plus customer your cloud save space is now going up to 100 gigs uh which is pretty good i can't imagine myself having more than 100 gigs worth of game saves uh, anytime soon so that's good stuff good stuff uh moving on the the switch continues to post pretty pretty incredible numbers um I, I funny
1: know- funny that uh coinciding with the release of uh, smash in uh late last year that and pokemon uh, and pokemon as well that they saw a lot of switches i'm mm-hmm. you know what i think there might be some sort of connection between the two
0: not saying there in- is indeed but i indeed. think Uh, Nintendo bossed Christmas sales season with an impressive set of hardware and software sales, but this still wasn't enough for the company to meet its own ambitious targets. They set out the 20 million uh, Switch sales through the financial year target. So even though their sales were very impressive, as we're about to discuss, it looks like they'll fall about 3 million short, they reckon, Uh, which is still, you know, 17 million units is not bad for the length of time that thing's been on the market um so the hardware sales were up 20 percent year on year which is incredible considering year on year the year they're comparing with is the launch year for the console uh game sales were up 100 percent looks like super mario party which came out like what end of november start of december already shipped 5.3 million copies that's pretty i i
1: don't know what like mario party sales are across the series but that seems like a lot
0: yeah, uh, let's go, Pikachu and Eevee combined ten million, and Smash Brothers Ultimate, which came out on the seventh of December, has already sold twelve point eight million units. Twelve point zero eight million units. It's a good number, you know. Good for them. Yeah. Um, and I had quote tweeted a tweet from um, Nival on on Twitter who had posted some very, very impressive sales stats for the Switch. And that at this point in its life cycle, I can't remember the exact percentages, but at this point in its life cycle, compared to the other two competitors in the same window from their launch, it has outsold the PS4 and the Xbox during that same window after their launch. Which is... Whew. <laughs> I,
1: think, I think we can officially say that the Switch is uh, a successful console.
0: Yeah, yeah, a
1: fantastic console, and a very, a very good console indeed. And just think as well, all of those games that you've just mentioned, they're all, you know, they're all Nintendo games. Mm-hmm. Um, so that is that is a lot of uh wonga they've made over that period. I can't. Believe yeah, it's not
0: manga. like it's not like <laughs> Call of Duty bundles that are shifting the units for the Switch. It's yeah, exactly. all first party shit. Yeah, which it makes it even more impressive in a way. Not uh, just financially, as you established. Do you think that uh,
1: with all of that, that this is the last year of the 3ds? It must be, surely.
0: I, you'd have to think, but then like they are still announcing 3ds games. I can't uh, wait!
1: I can't wait for E three and they announce uh, a Pokemon game and a fucking another Fire Emblem game and another fucking Asatani or, or Phoenix right, or something.
0: Uh, this is crazy. Uh, just a last statistic here from this article. Uh, so at the moment, Mario Kart 8 Deluxe, which is a remake of a game that only came out like 18 months, two years beforehand on the Wii U, 23.44 million copies of that game sold, which is almost half of everybody that owns a Switch.
1: Yeah, well, uh, I was going to say, remember, the the original was released on a console that no one owned. So,
0: yeah, um, absolutely just only eight of the top 20 selling Nintendo Switch games are not Nintendo titles. <laughs> I don't know how, how many years you could say that for Microsoft, for sure, but uh, even Sony. What a um, world, eh? What a world. That's incredible scenes. Incredible scenes. Long live the Nintendo Switch, I say. Um, Your boys over in the UK, Mark.
1: Oh, please, let's they've, just not.
0: They've clearly not got much on at the moment. No. Nah. <laughs> I'd... Nothing nothing earth-shattering or paradigm-shifting to consider, so... Nothing that, you okay know, doesn't against. affect
1: us over here as well, you know.
0: Yeah. yeah. Um, Don't think you're getting out of
1: this one as well, likely.
0: <laughs> but, to be fair, they're looking at something that has been in the news. Now, they're coming to it a year later than a couple of other uh, countries started looking at this. But it seems as if the UK Parliament wants to start talking about gambling in video games. Um the Digital, Culture, Media and Sport Committee's work continues unabated as the Commons Select Committee has now opened its inquiry into addictive technologies to the public. This comes from Emma Kent over at Eurogamer. Originally announced back in December, the inquiry seeks to look at how the addictive nature of some technologies can affect users' engagement with gaming and social media, particularly amongst younger people. This could eventually inform government policy and regulation on gaming and help government keep pace with the increasing uh, di- digitization and gamification of people's lives. As of yesterday, um, individual members of the public and organizations can now enter written submissions to the inquiry. If you want to write something yourself, make sure to read the terms of reference beforehand for information on the topics being addressed. Written evidence should have numbered paragraphs and be under 3000 words in length. Um, so yeah, yeah, they're looking for input from the public uh, onto what they feel about gambling in video games um, and kind of the, the addictive properties of, of video games uh, more broadly. Uh, what do you think about this?
1: I've got to be quite honest. I really don't care.
0: Um,
1: <laughs> like... It, it's not something that personally affects me in any way. And... um okay. Out of sight, out of mind. Mark, that's that's what I like about you. Well, here's the thing: kind of you, you half jokingly mentioned at the start that it's not like the government has probably more pressing concerns at the moment. Um, yeah. Now, not that this is in any way some sort of distraction from uh, the the bigger issues in the UK at the moment. Um, for me, I've always been of the the mindset that you know you you have a choice to make whether you want to buy um a pack from ultimate football for fifa uh if you want to purchase whatever loot box um
0: and you know i yeah, well, i think that discounts the 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 predatory nature particularly oh, the absolutely. loot boxes when it comes to oh, trust me, people absolutely. that don't have personalities like yours mark and that's you know what i mean where you can resist that urge because to you it's silly but to yes no and you're abso- old, you know? are
1: absolutely right you're absolutely right um and i mean we've already seen the effects to some degree of uh say in belgium where you see a lot of the time um and we've seen um announcements about uh I, like with fifa this week the, they've announced that um uh something to do with the, the Ultimate football or FIFA points I can't remember what it is exactly, but they're going to be stopped in Belgium. Uh, and we've seen um different types of loot boxes and different types of content in different games are being blocked in Belgium. So um and it's interesting to see which publishers and developers are going ahead with whatever um content that they decide to release which could be a grey area. And a lot of it is still a grey area in what is is considered gambling or not. Um it, sure, it is something that needs to be addressed. I just, again, I can't help but from the perspective of an English person, and depending on what is meant to happen on March the 29th, uh there are more pressing concerns to me right now than this.
0: I guess one of the things that's good about it, between uh, Belgium, the Netherlands, uh, and the UK, um, looking at it, one, it's keeping the, the, the conversation alive, uh, that's something, and I'm not normally one to come out on the side of uh, looking into regulation, particularly when it comes to the internet. Um, but at the same time, I, I do, without necessarily having the answers myself, I do think something needs to be done when you hear the the, 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 the money that is being raked in uh, for loot boxing and the horror stories of of how much money these kids are spending and how it, it is a fucking addictive and kind of almost gateway gambling sort of situation going on that uh, it needs to be addressed and talked about at the very least. Um, But having the UK get on board with the conversation, I think is, it's not as big as like if Japan or the European Union as a whole or America got on board with it, but the UK is a significant gaming market. Um, And I think it's one that, i'm pretty sure the the eas of the world the people who are all into the loop boxing i'm sure they're absolutely taking notice of the uk taking notice
1: yeah i definitely think that um if the uk ends up making some kind of uh decision restriction um similar in the vein of, of belgium uh i think the rest of the world and definitely your americas and not sure about japan but definitely america will take note as well um yeah, I I think that if the UK make a decision of that nature, that, that is a very big impact because obviously the UK is one of the biggest markets for video games, um, and um, definitely going forward, it will be interesting to to see how publishers and developers uh, react to that and how they go forward with the types of content and packs that they release. Mm. Did you see about uh, Anthem? And they have like a twenty dollar uh basically just reskins that you can purchase.
0: I have not seen no. that
1: so yeah, so the the game has uh it's it's pre release, its demo release, whatever you want to call it. Um beyond the servers being kind of broken, uh yeah, the they're they're, they're gonna be releasing these, these twenty dollar basal visual reskins, uh which is uh yeah. <laughs> we'll see how that does.
0: Yeah. That's for sure. Uh, our final news story of the week. Randy Pitchford. What's he done this time? I accidentally, uh, I, I, I mistakenly linked the wrong story off this, so I don't know if you've... Uh, you've had a look at this story no it's like
1: what's i've i'm out of the loop on randy what's he done this time
0: okay so I, i'm loading this up now but there is there is a lot to this so uh bear with me here the headline from uh, polygon here charlie hall over polygon lawsuit alleges that gearbox ceo randy pitchford improperly siphoned 12 million dollars for personal gain uh, a lawsuit filed in a Texas civil court alleges that Randy Pitchford, co-founder and CEO of Gearbox Software, improperly siphoned $12 million from that company for personal gain. The story was f- first reported by Kotaku and is based on public court documents filed on December 21, 2018. The suit was filed by Wade Callender, former General Counsel and Vice President of Legal Affairs at Gearbox and is made against Pitchbo- Pitchford and Gearbox itself. In a remarkable 27-page complaint, get comfy, Calendar alleges that in 2016, at the same time that Gearbox was denying raises company-wide, Pitchford secretly arranged a large payout for personal gain. It was Randy Pitchford himself who breached the fiduciary rules by exploiting Gearbox employees and property to fund Pitchford's private cravings. Court documents state, for example... While Randy was denying employee raises uh, predicated on low cash reserves, Randy secretly saddled Gearbox employees with the burden of repaying a private personal $12 million bonus that Randy rerouted from Gearbox's publisher directly to Randy's side entity, Pitchford Entertainment Media and Magic. Unbeknownst to Gearbox employees, Randy Pitchford arranged to shift the burden of Randy's long-standing multi-million dollar bonus to the very same employees from whom he had hid this arrangement. The lawsuit is is part of a back-and-forth legal battle with Gearbox and Pitchford on one side and Calendar on the other. Calendar's suit was filed roughly one month after Gearbox itself filed suit against him in Collin County, Texas. In a copy of that suit posted online, Gearbox alleges multiple improprieties by Calendar uh allegations include the non-payment of a personal home loan breach of contract related to tuition reimbursement and the misuse of gearbox's credit card to purchase family vacations gun club memberships and firearms accessory and trying to get six-pack abs do you know what if you'd have started this conversation
1: and we were talking about billy mitchell yeah i don't know fair play but um considering let's be honest randy's track record um in Uh sometimes sometimes being very kind of holier than thou uh this seems to have come back to bite him quite harsh yep Um,
0: (laughs) Yeah, yeah 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 also mark would you believe it gets worse really okay okay i've i've saved the the bombshell to last here all right okay in civil suits such as these, it's common for both parties to flesh out their case with damaging information on the other side. Both suits are peppered with personal attacks, but perhaps the most jaw-dropping of Callender's suit is his allegations that Randy Pitchford left a USB drive containing underage pornography. Oh, my God. At a company event. Oh, 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 oh. So apparently it's not mentioned here um, in this particular rendering of the details, but apparently they had a company event at Medieval Times. And he just left a USB of sensitive company information and underage pornography, allegedly on it, just on the table. And it was found uh, on information and belief. Randy Pitchford's USB drive contained much more than the sensitive corporate documents of Gearbox and business partners like Take-Two Interactive, 2K Games, Sega, Microsoft, Sony, etc., state's legal, the Calendars legal team. Upon information and belief, Randy Pitchford's USB drive also contained Randy Pitchford's personal collection of underage pornography. Mark, would you believe at this point, it gets worse? Uh, I'm still listening. The same complaint also alleges... Peacock parties were thrown by Pitchford, where adult men have reportedly exposed themselves to minors to the amusement of Pitchford. Oh, man. Peacock also happens to be the name of a small theatre that Randy Pitchford maintains out of his private Frisco, Texas home. According to Guide Live, the entertainment website from the Dallas Morning News, it's part of Pitchford's effort to cultivate a local variety art scene. Uh... Both cases are ongoing. Polygon has reached out to both parties for comment in a statement provided to Kotaku, a Gearbox spokesperson called the allegations against Pitchford absurd with no basis in reality or law and the lawsuit meritless. Calendar's lawyer in a statement provided to Polygon would only say the following. You'll have to ask Mr. Pitchford what he did with his USB drive and the copy that he instructed others to destroy. The dueling suits just come a few months after Pitchford went public with accusations that his former assistant, John Wright Martin, had gifted the gearbox founder and his wife out of some three million dollars, had grifted, sorry, the gearbox founder and his wife out of some three million dollars. Uh, Randy Pitchford then went and appeared on a magic-themed podcast one day after the lawsuit was filed against him by Wade Callender. On that program, he corroborates some of the story about the lost USB stick. His explanation, the pornography was saved as research for a magic trick.
1: (sighs) Well, here's here's where it's going to get fun, Because now you're going to have the two bases of people that are going to go back and forth. Um... Screaming that he's a pedophile, and you're going to have those people uh, defending him saying that these are just baseless allegations, and we're going to go from there. Um, now, I am certainly someone that, uh, until it is completely, absolutely, 100 percent confirmed and it's in court, and you know if someone is trialled correctly and everything, you know, at that point, um, if found to be guilty, sure, I'm going to say something. Um, until then, I tend to, you know, I don't scream on Twitter at the top of my lungs that someone is a pedophile or whatever else, um, but it goes without saying that such uh, allegations and potential offenses should be taken pretty fucking seriously, mm-hmm. uh, and uh, even without all of that, which obviously is the worst part of all of this, but just going back to the whole first part with that 12 million, um, how the fuck do you think you're not going to get caught, honestly? Yeah. I, I oh boy.
0: They never do. They never think they're going to get caught. Uh,
1: I think we've already wrapped up our uh, Konami uh, Award for Ineptitude uh, of the Year.
0: I'll tell you what, Mark. (laughs) I hope so. That's a
1: pretty strong contender. we not even out of January.
0: I really hope it's not competitive this year after that, because that is, as you say, a very strong start. Yeah. On multiple (laughs) levels. Yeah. Um, I think let's uh, leave the news at this point, because it's not going to get much grimmer than that. Uh, and head into the link to the cast book club. Oh, sorry, we don't. We're not because Come on we have now. a new, new segment. We have a new segment. Well, a newish, newish. Uh, we're making it a regular segment. We've
1: we've dusted it off. We've blown off the cobwebs and yeah, given it a nice yeah. kind of sheen. A new new coat coat of paint.
0: In an effort to to streamline the program a bit more, we've decided that a lot of our news stories we were talking about in this segment of the show. Uh, we're all about releases, delays, cancellations, things like that. So uh, what we're going to do is bring back uh, a weekly uh, feature that we like to call the Release Date Roundup. Anything now, anything now, I shall be Mark, uh, going forward in the Release Date Roundup, I am kind of splitting... The, uh, the, the the roundup into two segments uh, announcements and new releases um, covering games that were announced this week games that are due out this week that we think you should take notice of and then the other side delays and cancellations um, so which would you like me to go with first this week
1: uh, should we start with delays
0: yeah so we've no outright cancellations we have one delay and a restart uh, the Mario Kart mobile game uh, that was coming later this year, uh, Nintendo's latest foray into the mobile gaming market. That has been delayed. It was due out soon, and now it's been kicked back until the summer. Um, and that could be a that's that's one of those kind of if they're going to do well on a Nintendo mobile game, you would think Mario Kart is one of the one of the pretty solid swings.
1: Yeah, I'll be curious to see how um how it plays because. Uh, so far, all of the Nintendo releases have been, uh, you know, taking a a core idea, a core concept, and and diluting it, removing certain parts, uh, and they've fared from okay to just not being my thing. Um, I could see Mario Kart being similar to um, the uh, Super Mario Run in that it's uh, a game where you know you don't have like a button for acceleration; it's just it's just like. You start, you go, and you just... An
0: endless driver.
1: An endless driver, to a certain degree, yeah. Uh, and I'm not sure how I'd feel about that. But it, I might be wrong, and it might be just playing like normal Mario, but on a mobile. Um, and let's be honest, Nintendo aren't exactly in a rush to get this out, so, um, you know, it's the kind of thing that, they want to delay it by four or five months to polish it up, they're, they're in a pretty, pretty good condition considering uh, the Christmas just had to do so.
0: Yeah, that's for damn sure. Uh, the other game that's been delayed this week is also on Nintendo. Uh, they had a special direct to address the development progress of Metroid Prime 4, of which, to this point, we've only seen a logo. So you knew it probably wasn't terribly far along. It was due to release in 2018, Pahaha. ha uh, <laughs> ha Then it was kicked into 2019, Pahaha. ha uh, ha And now they have this announcement that uh, development has been moved to Retro Studios. Um, who kind of people had been speculating what they were at. Well, this is what they're at now. Uh, And not only that, but everything, they're throwing the baby out with the water and Retro Studios will be starting completely from scratch on Metroid Prime 4.
1: Shockingly open about that, uh, I feel. But at the same time, considering if they hadn't, they would have had to announce again at some point that, hey, Metroid Prime has been delayed to like 2021, which at that Mm. point would kind of lead to the speculation that, okay you know, they must start it again. So Yeah,
0: this is typically the kind of thing you either speculate, oh, it's been cancelled or restarted, um, or you kind of somebody speaks anonymously to uh Kotaku about it and that's how you find out. Uh yeah, it is uncharacteristically open from Nintendo to go, Yeah, we absolutely fucked it, start again.
1: But then it goes oh, yeah. without saying, why the fuck didn't you just give it a retro in the first place? But hey, there you go.
0: Yeah. There you go. And, you know, again, as we often say on this program, I'd rather them take their time and this game come out excellent than them kind of try to stitch together Retro's version of the game with whatever existed beforehand and have it come out as a kind of half-cooked mess. So uh, looking forward to Metroid Prime 4, but not holding my when, breath. When we're going time soon. Yeah, <laughs> it'll be on the, the Switch 2. Or Switch U. <laughs> Hi! That's am going to call it. Uh, in terms of uh, new releases... Mark, there's one we're pretty much, uh, we've had our sights set on for quite some time. Finally, February 1st, tomorrow, as we're recording this, today, as you're likely listening to it, Wargroove is out on uh, Switch, Steam, and Xbox uh, with PlayStation 4 to follow. Uh, The real time strategy game that appears very much as the spiritual successor to Advance Wars. I am hyped. As fuck.
1: And with the game that is most likely going to win our award for best uh, dog with uh, an accessory, um, War Group should have this down pretty easily. And yeah, <laughs> I'm I'm hyped. I'm very hyped. This is going to be my uh, first game of the year of this year, uh, considering everything I've been fucking playing has been from last year or beyond. Uh, mm. So I'm looking forward to sitting down and uh, and getting my advanced wars on.
0: Yeah, damn straight. Uh, Also announced, releasing April 23rd. Uh, This is refreshing that it's like distance between announcement and game releasing is like three or four months. I like that. Uh Mortal Kombat 11 is coming.
1: I tell you what, I would have thought at this point, considering the last two games, considering my age, that I could sit down and watch a Mortal Kombat trailer and just be like, eh, whatever. But I fucking laugh my arse off from beginning to end. Somehow, somehow, they've managed to make Mortal Kombat feel even more fucking absurd and even more just pushing the limits of bad taste. Um, and I have nothing but the utmost respect for being able to do that. Um, uh, did you watch any of the, the kind of release trailer footage, the fatality reel, any of that sort of stuff? I haven't
0: actually seen anything to do with it yet, short <laughs> of the fact that, um, young ronda rousey is uh doing the voice for Sonya blade in this uh, which is their big kind of pr coup
1: yeah um i just would say sit down and treat yourself uh <laughs> now do you have any uh prior experience with the last two more combat games or should we say uh, since the reboot
0: yeah played a, played a bit of mkx i got it in a sale but uh not a huge amount, because fighting games don't typically hold my attention for very long, but liked it, and they're, like, that engine, they have that game and like, th- those games look pretty.
1: Yeah, I really like the, the, the new engine, the, the new fighting engine that they've used since MK9, and uh, the I like the amount of work that goes into the story mode of those games, because I'm like you in that, um, you know, if a fighting game is just there it's just to purely be a, a fighting game, um, with, with limited uh, content either side of it, uh, like Street Fighter V, I'm going to fall off pretty quickly from it, but MK9, MKX, they go full-on fucking with the story, and which are, to a certain degree, rehashes and, and taking parts of older uh, Mortal Kombat stories and stitching them back together again, uh, but with high production values. And uh, I have enjoyed the last two games, and uh, I will absolutely be getting myself some NK 11
0: mm. uh, The final bit of release date roundup news we have is the PS Plus games for this month. If you're a PS4 user, you are going to get Hitman Season 1, which you should play, 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 play. And For Honor, which, uh, friend of the show, Brian McMara, he uh, loves a bit of For Honor. Uh, never really got into it myself, but a cool-looking game. Uh, i think uh ps3 the swan song for ps3 uh ps plus we've got dive kick and metal gear solid 4 guns of the patriots and uh for vita uh which i think it's the final month for vita as well i can't remember uh gunhouse and rogue aces uh, so that's your ps plus lot for the month um i feel yeah. like isn't the first series of hitman that's already
1: been a ps plus exclusive like uh, it
0: that. was a Games with Gold one, I think.
1: Oh, okay, All right.
0: Uh, and it's you can get it for free if you get like the is it the C like the deluxe edition of Hitman Two. And even if you don't, if you have both purchased, you can play Hitman One Season One from within Hitman Season Two. Okay. Uh, it's tough to keep track. Yeah. But yeah, Hitman Season 1 and For Honor. That's a pretty good lineup in fairness for PS4 this month. Um, so yeah, that's your release date roundup. And now we'll finally head into the Link to the Cast Book Club. That feature every week on the program where we talk about an important game from the past that you should play for the first time or play again if it has indeed been a while. Um, this week we're turning over to Mark Robinson uh, as we talk about a game that he he really enjoyed, then got the HD Remake of and didn't enjoy quite as much. It's Sleeping Dogs.
1: Dogs is an action adventure video game developed by United Front Games and published by Square Enix. Originally released for the PlayStation 3, Xbox 360, and Windows, and later a remastered version subtitled Definitive Edition that was released for the PlayStation 4, Xbox One, and Windows. Set in contemporary Hong Kong, the story follows Wei Shen, an undercover Hong Kong American profile of police officer on assignment to infiltrate the Sun On Yi Triad organization. Gameplay focuses on Shen's fighting, shooter, and parkour abilities, and on gadgets that can be used for combat and exploration. Players must complete missions to unlock content and continue the story, but they may instead freely roam the game's open-world environment, engaging both legal and criminal activities. The latter may incite a police response, the intensity of which is controlled by heat system. Actions such as fighting, driving, and racing grant Shen statistical rewards and earn the player achievements. So, uh, sleeping dogs. Um, is effectively uh, a true crime game um, from which is a series that I never played to uh, at the time well, I played in general uh, but I came into Sleeping Dogs um, on the back of uh, really enjoying open world games um, you know we were still uh, open world games were still um, obviously they're still massive now but certainly with after GTA 3 that real kind of explosion of open-world games and the the copycat of uh, the Grand Theft Auto series um, elsewhere. Uh, You know, there were different spins and different takes on that style of game. And Sleeping Dogs definitely is indebted to uh, Grand Theft Auto. The thing about Sleeping Dogs is that there were a lot of people that fell off, or bounced off of Grand Theft Auto 4, uh, which I think includes you, if I'm correct. Yup. Yeah. And I can, to a degree, see why. Um, though, with that said, I very much enjoyed Grand Theft Auto 4, and we had friends show Jack Lazer on not too long ago to talk about that particular game. Um, but I did feel after that that I had had my, um, my fulfillment of open world games for the time being um but then sleeping dogs came along and i didn't get straight away but um i think it was a few weeks after release and i'd seen um a few of my friends had had it and played it and had uh uh, applauded it for um its story and combat and other aspects of the game uh and and it reviewed well so I, i went in with uh with high hopes and uh It met those expectations. Um, So, where to begin? Kind of talking about it. Um, For a start, it's one of the things that uh, the Grand Theft Auto series, up until recently, always either gets a knock for, and it's Rockstar in general with with their open world games, is that the actual combat, whether the um, kind of hand to hand melee combat or the shooting, um, is one of the weaker aspects of their games. And Sleeping Dogs, Sleeping Dogs is a game that came after Arkham Asylum. So, <laughs> as you can yeah. imagine, it incorporates to a certain degree the uh, Arkham Asylum style of combat, which, uh, in terms of uh, hand-to-hand combat in video games, is is one of the better uh, type of co- combat mechanic style game, uh, combat style mechanics you can get out there. And uh, and it, we weren't quite at the point yet where it felt a bit cliched and a bit. Re- Like every game was using that system, so it still felt fresh. Uh, But the thing with Sleeping Dogs as well is because of um, its setting in Hong Kong, um, it incorporates what feels like a lot more of kind of uh, traditional um, Eastern style martial arts and kung fu uh, within the combat. Um, And it also includes uh, elements of parkour um, as well as uh, environmental attacks. So, where Batman Arkham Asylum feels, um at times, like a real kind of intimate fight. Yeah. Uh, Wei Shen, because of his uh, parkour abilities, you know, he can come flying into a room and, uh, you know, fucking doing a kind of Liu Kang-style karate kick halfway across the screen uh mm. and just kind of start laying waste to enemies. Um, and then when you incorporate the uh, environmental attacks into that as well, which uh range from um impaling your opponent on a giant meat hook cleaver within a, a kind of frozen warehouse um to you know smashing their heads against various walls and whatnot. Uh it's a really satisfying combat uh system and um it's it's one of those things as well where kind of with with Spider-Man and and Batman it's the type of uh combat system that never gets old um whether yeah. you've played um for an hour or you've played for 10 hours um it's simple enough it's intuitive enough but you can unlock different uh, abilities and whatnot and you know advance uh, the moves that Wei-Shin can do um and it's just it's really it's a really really fun system to to use and it very much um thinks about the setting that it's in to uh kind of work the combat system around that. Uh, and they, they nail it. They absolutely nail it. And, uh, you know, there have been a few games since. I think Spider-Man is definitely the, the game that has taken that original uh, Arkham Asylum system and has, has done it as well as you can do. Uh, yeah. But I think Sleeping Dogs is, is up there. Within the system. I
0: think to some extent as well the first uh, Middle-Earth game. Uh, their combat system is essentially Arkham Light, and they did it well as well. I think.
1: Yeah. Um, one of the things that makes Sleeping Dogs a little bit, a little bit different as well, certainly compared to uh, Grand Theft Auto, is the the common theme that you have with graphic Theft Auto is it usually goes with a, a rags to riches type story, um, yeah. where Sleeping Dogs is very much. It feels like a. It's a. It's, you know. It's a. Feels like a, a Jackie Chan Hong Kong police esque drama type uh, s- story uh, with Wei Shen, who uh, is a police officer who is set to infiltrate this triad. And he, as he makes his uh, journey through this story, um, he has these two parts. There are these two parts of his life where he's part of this triad and he, he you know, gets in deep within the organization. Um, and obviously, within the organization, um, this triad is, is built on loyalty and family and honor. And there are parts of this, uh, triad that are, um, people that have, you know, shady lives, um, but they are still to a degree, um, good people with, with, um, honor and respect and whatnot. Just, you know, the, the type of work that they do or, um, mm-hmm. you know, the, Organizations they're involved in—that's where the shady parts is—but they're not inherently bad people. Uh, though there are parts of that triad that, you know, there are people that are bad people, and mm. you get to see Wei Shen and and the the relationships and um, the the friendships that he uh, kind of establishes throughout that. Uh, and then on the other side of it, there is um, Hugh's job as a police officer, and a detective, and trying to uh, remain loyal to the work that he's meant to be doing. And so you do have those conflicts of interest that, um, as you can imagine, build up throughout the story and, and come to a clash at uh, certain points throughout the game. Uh, and I think that the story uh, in general is very well paced, um, and it definitely, because it does something different in terms of um, not being a Rags to Riches story, you know, it, it, obviously with the setting, um, it feels very very different to to Gra also in the way those yeah. pace themselves
0: and I think what like like you kind of said at the top here there there have been a lot of uh grand theft auto lights a lot of grand theft auto clones, and the ones that have uh, received the best critical acclaim the the ones that have found a good audience are the likes of a sleeping dogs or a saint's row where they took the kind of should we say the framework that a GTA provides is that that debt you spoke of that they owe to the, the Grand Theft Auto series, and they, they did their own thing with it. Um, the 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 way the story in Seedman Dogs is told, or the, the parkour stuff you were talking about it being folded into the the, the combat, uh, or in the case of Saints Row just being a fucking living cartoon after the second game, uh, whereas we don't really talk anymore about the what is it the the getaway. Franchise. Uh, we don't really talk about that anymore. Apart from there's like a small cadre of people on Twitter who are like still pulling for the third getaway game to be announced, and God bless them. And then what was that one? I was trying to think when you were talking there. Was it was a true crime, Streets of L.A.
1: Yeah, there's true crime, which is what uh, Sleeping Dogs is, is, you know, based from. Uh, yeah. There is obviously Vin Diesel's Wheelman. Man. Yeah, yeah, um, and <laughs> and one of the things as well, and I think one of the the fair um critiques that you can make uh, against grand theft auto is that a lot of the time uh with their games um there aren't a lot of characters that have uh, much in the terms of redeeming qualities um, grand theft auto 5 in particular pretty much everyone in that game uh is v- is varying degrees of trash and awful um <laughs> and that's from you know all the main protagonists all the way through their families uh i you know and- <laughs> It's hard to get behind someone, uh, or find the motivation uh, a lot of the time, just because it's just, they're all awful people. Where, I definitely think that Sleeping Dogs, one of the things that makes it work is that a lot of the characters are, for a start, they're, they're grounded in a sense of realism. Not that I, you know, have any fucking experience or knowledge within Hong Kong and, um, triads and that sort of stuff, but, these characters do have a, a level of um, relatability about them, and they do feel like human. And I mean, that is part of what Grand Theft Auto also is, that they are completely fucking over-the-top, or caricatures of, you know, um, fucking Scarface or whatever. Um mm-hmm. So that's to be expected, but Sleeping Dogs definitely does... It. I think it does what Grand Theft Auto 4 tries to do, where it does take elements of, uh, of being a little bit more grounded in reality, but I think it does it better. Um And that comes to light with... Um, there's one very pivotal uh, moment in the game um, that we could uh, compare to... Uh, is it the Red Wedding
0: from uh, Game of Thrones? Yeah,
1: yeah, yeah. yeah. It's, uh, you know, all, look all those... Look at you
0: making a contemporary like, popular uh, reference. No, right,
1: I'm, I'm with the times, I'm with the kids. Um, although I only got that really from a Twitter reference after the Kevin Owens, Chris Jericho breakup. <laughs> yeah.
0: And yeah. that series of Game of Thrones was like three years ago. <laughs> but, hey, you look, know, I'm trying let 's you know let let 's not talk about how late you are at the party and just celebrate the fact you arrived at all there
1: you go whatever <laughs> um, <laughs> but uh but it 's a very pivotal moment in the game and it 's a very powerful moment in the game, and it doesn 't have the impact if the characters and the story up to the point were uh, not written as well as they were, and so I think that 's a real uh celebration for the game um, and uh, how successful it successful it is at. Executing that particular point in the game. Uh, one of the other things, and I didn't actually realize this going in. Uh, it actually has got a, a few kind of relatively well-known people in terms of voice acting. Uh, you've got the likes of Emma Stone in there. Oh. Uh, yep. Uh, Vivian Liu is uh, voiced by Lucy Liu, so it's uh, oh. yeah, it's it's, and I wasn't aware of this at all. So,
0: yeah.
1: uh, it's got. I suppose it
0: would have been before, um, before Emma Stone really took off,
1: or well, E. C. Uh, a. would have been.
0: 2010. So I think cuz I, I remember watching it when I lived in college and that was 2010-2011, so around then.
1: Um and, uh, yeah. So yeah, there's that. Um other things that I like about the game um so one of the, the things as well that uh Grand Theft Auto 4 uh, a lot of people didn't get behind was that the driving uh, felt very heavy, very stiff. Um sleeping dogs doesn't have that. It's not going to say more on the kind of arcade uh, style of driving, but it, it it doesn't feel as heavy. It doesn't feel as weighty. Um, it mm-hmm. feels, uh, you know, like if you were in a uh, a high-speed chase in a film, um, it plays and feels like that. So uh, that, you know, it's a joy to, to drive around that world. Um, it's the first game that I remember where um, if you have set a, a waypoint for a specific direction you need to go, uh, the way it would uh, show that you needed to take a left turn is it would do kind of like, um, it would block off uh, with like a highlighted arrow, it would block off kind of, um, say there was like a T-junction, you needed to go left, it would kind of block off the right and the the um, forward paths that you could go with kind of like a curved direction. Uh, set of arrows to kind of just gently guide you in the direction you need to go Uh, and I appreciate that, it was just a cool kind of visual style Um, and it also meant that, um, because one of the big problems you can have with open world games is you can sometimes spend more time looking at the map icon in the bottom right or bottom left or wherever on the screen it is than you do actually just watching the the game, uh, watching the screen itself Uh, and that's one of the big celebrations about Breath of the Wild is you spend most of your time actually just looking at the world around you and not the map mm. and so one of the ways that sleeping dogs gets around it is by having um the uh the hud the, the ui on screen uh to guide you in the right direction and uh i can see how some people might not enjoy that but i, I appreciate that because it means that i'm not checking the map i'm actually you know my eyes are invested on the screen and, and the world of hong kong that's built around to enjoy because it yeah. it's a very detailed world Mm. So, I, oh, just an agreement. It sounded like there was something he was going to add on to that. No, 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 sorry. Yeah, and it's, it's, it's a really, really good world. It's a, uh, you know, with those kind of open world games, there's an incredible amount of detail. Uh, you can definitely tell it's the type of, uh, world that was built where, uh, the developers definitely spent time in Hong Kong to, um, you know, really get a, a feel for Hong Kong culture and the architecture. And, uh, you know, it, it's, one of my favourite open worlds to, to go around just because of that, you know, it's one of the things I always try to do in an open world game is just to spend time just walking down the streets like just kind of a normal citizen to take in the little moments um, because even with like a Spider-Man, you know, as fun as it is to to Fling around New York City. Sometimes you just want to kind of walk along and just see like everyday activities of, of the people and see how the the uh, AI interacts with you, or, or you know, just just to see the little things because they are what kind of bring a world to life sometimes. Yeah, um, and and Sleeping Dogs, even for a game uh, in you know originally in the the uh, last era, um, it has those little touches. It, it has that vibe of a living city. So, um, yeah, does that really well. Um, and yeah, as mentioned, the, the PS4 version really pissed me off, because, uh, just generally across the board, the performance of it is pretty fucking sluggish. Um, that's, that's really the only big take away from that, uh, is just, it just, uh, it's not a perfect port, unfortunately. Uh, it does look pretty, but it's pretty sluggish. And, uh, I remember, I remember having a big old bitching session about it when, uh, when it originally came out on PS4. It uh, must have been one of our early episodes. Of, yeah, would have uh, been. Yeah, it the cast.
0: It, it was not long after you moved here, I think.
1: Was I playing it here? I can't remember.
0: I believe you were. I believe. It was either right before you moved over or right after. I, I, I'm not exactly sure on the time there. Okay. But yeah, um, it was. A, you showed me some of how bad it was. <laughs>
1: okay, fair enough. Um, now, one of the big issues with the game and its story, uh, is that, and I think a lot of open world games, and I think certain GTA games going back have had this issue, is there's never, like, one key antagonist who is kind of driving force behind the games, and you have a series of antagonists, which are find you know, you can have, like, your mini-bosses, or... You know, certain people within the the triad that are uh, people you have to deal with along the way, but you don't really get the big reveal of the the main driving force, the main you know plot device, until uh, quite late on into the game. Mm-hmm. Um, and then the actual kind of like final fight and the, the final boss, if you will, is kind of a damn squib. Um, it's it's a bit of a bit of an anticlimax, anticlimax, because uh, a lot of the real powerful moments, the real Big moments with the game all happen before that uh, and and the game does end um, not on the highest of highest so uh, you kind of hit that peak um, a fair bit before so that's one of the um, that's one of the di- disappointments with the game um, and one of the other things as well is that we were certainly going through a period at the time where we had games where you had like you know your two parts your light your dark you either know, be a good person or a bad person. And, uh, Sleeping Dog does the have Paragon this. Paradon
0: and Renegade.
1: Uh, yeah. And, uh, you know, you either, you, you know, you're a detective or you know, a police officer or you, you're, a, uh, part of the triad. And, uh, when you do missions, depending on how you perform in the missions, you can get certain points, um, for, for either. So, you know, depending on how many people you kill, like innocent people, uh, depending on how many police officers, um, all that kind of stuff gets taken into consideration. But it all kind of feels a bit artificial. It doesn't really add to much. It doesn't add to anything, um, later on in the game. Um, and so you're only really doing it in terms of, you know, the, the points that you're trying to collect for each mission. If you're trying to 100% the game, if you're trying to get the platinum, you know, it might ask you to, uh, complete all missions with a certain score, and that kind of stuff. And if you're into that, then that's great. But in terms of its kind of bigger picture within the the story, it doesn't really uh, add to much. So, you know, it's not uh, a perfect game, by any means. Um, but I think of the the big open-world games uh, from last generation, and even this generation. Um, if it was one that people didn't pick up at the time, um, and need that palette cleanser from the Graphic Authority series, it's, uh, it's, it's a very good... Um, Grand Fifth Auto World S game, but not one that you play thinking about how it's like Grand Theft Auto. It feels like its own mm. game. So, yeah, there you go. Already threw in the the elevated pitch for you.
0: Yeah, fair play. Um, yeah, so that's uh, our book club for this week, Sleeping Dogs. Uh, one last bit of business before we close off the podcast, Mark, and that is for me to pick what we're going to play next week. Uh, and I'm throwing one that, I suppose, in the grand scheme of things is a little bit out of left field but given that it's a game that recently came up uh in in the news and we'll talk about why next week as as part of it uh i I think it's worth going back to talk about it now mark next week on the program episode 133 donkey kong 64 all (laughs) right i was expecting because it's a and we'll get into it on the program it's a bit of a marmite sort of game
1: it certainly is
0: uh it has its fans of which i am i'm not among the most mis- vociferous of but i would certainly put myself more in the the fan category than the hater category but boy does it have a lot of haters as well um so yeah ne- next week on the program we have donkey kong 64 um yeah, that's going to do it for episode one thirty-two of Linked to the Cast. Cast.wordpress.com is the website. Uh, at Link to the Cast is the Twitter. Individually, I'm at the Day to Dave. Mark is at Lithium Project. Um, as I said at the top of the show, we're available on uh, all your favourite podcasting platforms. Now available on Spotify after a long and arduous battle to do so, uh, we are we have arrived, my friend. Um, so check us out, subscribe on there, rate, review, tell a friend, share, retweet when you see the show come up on your social media platform of preference. It all helps us out. Um, just to give you a quick whistle stop tour of the latest stuff we have in our uh, big wacky air quotes linked to the cast network. Uh, we've been doing some more wrap ups. We've already got two two wrap ups for the year.
1: Uh we've got we got the Wrestle Kingdom review and then the Royal Rumble preview slash review.
0: Yeah, so we've got two of those up already. There'll be another one coming next week. I'm doing an OTT road report, uh, going on a road trip up to Belfast to see their latest show. So there'll be a lot of talk about uh, Irish and European independent professional wrestling on on that, so you can look for that in about a week. Uh, We've already got a Popcorn Social out for uh, the month of January, in which we talk about the greatest film of all time, Nick Cage's, uh, Magnum Opus gone in sixty seconds. Uh, so tune into really, that one.
1: You could have said Nick Cage, magnus Opus. You could throw in one of about ten films in there.
0: I know, right? What a man! <laughs> and we do get into that on the show. Um, so gone in sixty seconds, and then next month for the popcorn social, we are in the process of putting together our uh our awards show. It's Oscar season, so look out for the Soshis. Dropping in February uh, over here on the the same RSS feed as linked to the cast. And then uh, a sister podcast of ours that I just rolled out in January. Myself and a friend of the show, Lee Malone, have started a new podcast called Days of Thunder, where one by one we are watching uh, WCW Thunder the uh, much maligned B-show from uh, World Championship Wrestling. I
1: I still, I'm I'm still questioning (laughs) this decision.
0: (laughs) Yeah, we're starting to as well. There are only two episodes in. Uh, We're intending to watch it without the context of looking up what was happening at the time. Uh,
1: Does it really make a difference? Let's be honest.
0: Well, we're going to find out. That's the whole experiment is, is the experience of watching WCW better or worse? And in what ways when you just watch Thunder uh, and the pay-per-views? So we've already got, as I said, two episodes live. Uh, The second episode just dropped this week. Uh, It's on its own uh, RSS feed. So just look for Days of Thunder uh, and it's at WCW Thunderpod on Twitter. And I post all the links there with the shows. That's available on Spotify, iTunes, all the rest of it. Uh, and we'll have one more regular episode. That that podcast comes up every two weeks. We'll have one more regular episode of Days of Thunder. And then we'll be doing our first pay-per-view with WCW sold out 1998 in a few weeks. So check all that good stuff out. We're cranking out the content this year, Mark, aren't we?
1: Yeah, and I just wanted to give a quick thank you to uh, everyone who's listened to any of our stuff over the last uh, or since the start of the year uh we are not that it matters for anything but i think this is going to be our most most amount of listens we've had in a month since we've started doing things to the cast and i mean that's partially down to the amount of content we've thrown out in the last couple of weeks um mm. but just yeah just a big thank you to everyone that's listening uh however you're listening um i'd really really like to get to a point where um you know we're getting more we
0: can we can rise an army up
1: Well, there is that. But, you know, just being able to get more kind of like, uh, listen to questions and that sort of stuff, and um, that because that's one of the few things we haven't really had on the yeah. on the show. So
0: we, we were doing it for a while and then we got lazy and understandably when we get lazy, you there listening get lazy as well. So uh, hit us up with some tweets uh, or drop a, a comment on the Facebook or DM us or or what have you, and we'll 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 be eager to to get in touch with you or to read it out on the show or whatever whatever takes you have on either the game of the week or something we talked about or hey you were completely fucking wrong when you said that thing uh you know any any and all of the above really um but yeah just to echo marks thank you again uh it's we'd probably be doing this if it was just the two of us listening to it, but uh the fact that that obviously there's a growing number of people out there who are listening to the show and enjoy it uh warms our cold dead hearts so thank you very much for that Uh, a real nice happy new year present for us anyway i've gone on too long link to the cast 132 is in the bag. Thank you very much. We shall see you all next week.